Greetings, beautiful people. Terrell and Michelle here. And on this episode of The Grind Defined, I'm going to be reframing the shade of it all for you, as well as diving into balance versus fluidity. So, hey, I hope you have a comfortable spot and something smooth to sip on because The Grind Defined is starting right now. was a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Welcome everybody. Welcome to The Grind Defined. Tara and Michelle here, certified spiritual mindset and wellness coach, helping high achieving women find fluidity between their emotional, spiritual, and physical well-being by bridging the gap between who they are in service and who they were designated to be by our creator. Ooh, chav. Today is going to be good, a great conversation, because I'm going to be reframing shade. Ooh, the shade of it all. Oh, this is such a necessary conversation for women and for sisters, because there's no sisterhood without sisters. However, shade, competition, hateration, holleration, in the dancery, all these kinds of things factor into the breakdown amongst women. But the conversation today around shade, we're not going to be talking about the breakdown. We're going to be talking about some breakthroughs that as individuals, we need to make some things to think about in order for us to be proactive and protective, if you will, with the atmosphere of our mindset and the atmosphere around us. So I'll get more into that as we get into the conversation. And also, we're going to be talking about balance versus fluidity. Actually, balance versus fluidity, excuse me, tongue-tied, is where we're going to start today. And I have to thank uh, a listener that reached out to me. I had a moment yesterday. Well, why am I talking about yesterday? I'll say on the first episode, because that was not yesterday. But anyway, we're going to act like I ain't say that. (laughs) But I had a moment where I mentioned on the first episode that balance was no longer what was hot for me and then I was like squirrel and I went someplace else and I said I was going to come back to it I said I was going to talk about that and I ended up on the first episode not getting back to it so I want to thank the listener that reached out to me and said well hey you mentioned that I wanted to hear more about that you didn't talk about that so guess what I'm going to talk about it today and talking about it on this episode is uh, perfect because I'll have more time to uh, get into that subject matter more so than what I would have had on the first episode. So thank you so much for reaching out and let me know that I squirreled on you. And listen, disclaimer, I squirrel sometimes. I do. Usually I come back. I will squirrel, run on out in the woods, and then I come back, come in the house, and sometimes even turn on the light. But sometimes I'll leave and I don't come back right away. I'll come back eventually. So, okay. Anyway, just don't say I didn't tell you that. (laughs) Buckle up. It's going to be quite the ride. Before we get into that, housekeeping, housekeeping. (laughs) It's necessary. It is, y'all. Hey, If you're listening to this show and you haven't followed me or you want to learn more about The Grind Defined or myself, Terrell and Michelle, log on to thegrinddefined.com. Click follow for you to be updated when I upload. That way you can have that tea. Now, that's if you like your tea plain. 
And if you're somebody who says, you know what, uh-uh, I might want some cream in my tea or some sugar or some agave. I might want some lemon. I might want some mint. And I'm not talking about that dehydrated stuff that's already in the bag. No, I might want some fresh mint, but you take it and crush it and, and break that up. So you get that, that, that fresh mint oil out of that. If that's the type of situation you like some stuff in your tea, then what you're going to want to do is join the list because when you join the list, you'll get details about episodes before the upload. Those details I will not publicize online. It'll only be for the email list. Also, when I go live, because occasionally I will go live, I'll send out links first come first serve. For those of you on the email list, you can choose whether or not you want to join me here on the air live. Fun times, fun times. In addition to getting tea about things that's going on with TerraLaMichelle.com, other things that's going on with me, hey, that's just a place you want to be. So, you like your tea plain? Follow. You want stuff in your tea? Join the list. That's it. <laughs> All right? All right. First up is Spoken Spotlight and then Balance versus Fluidity. It's time to make the grind official. Let's do it. Spoken Spotlight. See, grab tight and don't let go. To hell with relax and let shit flow. When things run free, ain't no telling where they'll end up. And the last thing I need is any hiccups in my chain. Although to those who take it easy, this may seem strange. See, my clinch is golden. This is why no matter what, I'm holding on to the reins. Although I can't predict the journey or ending or if anything changes, at least I have a tight hold. Pull, rearrange, control, or dismantle. I'm going to be the one to handle what comes my way. And no, this is in every area. So when he says he's done and I'm having fun, I clench. And just like that, he releases, then unleashes everything. <laughs> Guess I had the best suggestion. So why question what is? When I need to guide an outcome that can't be done hands-free, it's because I'm not dumb. This life is anything but predictable, so I can't allow the game of chance to dictate for me. This is why there's no convincing me to let go. There's no rationalizing any flow that's free from my touch, even though my touch average is never a hundred, but is anything. As if there's a formula for a guaranteed win, and even though I'm told God is my friend, my needs are immediate. I need what I want the way I see, and God is like he really doesn't see me. And since that's the way we be, I hold on for dear life and pray to become a wife and live that good life I see on TV. If I play my hand right, I can make things happen in just a little more time. I was a young mother who dreamed constantly about what their life would be like. I mean, I imagined everything, every aspect of how their life would be. It's crazy because back then, I didn't think much about what they would want for their life. No, 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 no. I had my dreams and that was what I wanted to strive to achieve for them. I mean, my daughters were Irish twins, meaning that they were the same age for 11 months. So even when they had those God awful teething biscuits that they just turned to mush with their saliva, I was thinking, then about them having their first easy big oven, what their rooms would look like, what kind of car they would drive. That's exactly where my mind was. And so with this huge imagination and ambitions for all of the things I wanted for my children, I started inserting all of these different pieces into my life. As they started to get older and finally got in school full time, of course they had their schedules. I had regular life, work, and then life happens to bring other things on top of the things that you were planning to do. And sometimes it'll have a curve ball to have you doing some other things that were never on the list. At the end of the day, it got to a point where it felt like, I don't know, 
just straight chaos. I remember talking to some of the older folks around me who would say, you just need to find balance. And they looked like they had it all together. I'm thinking, wait a minute. So there's a way to have all of these different pieces kind of working together in the same place at the same time and flowing smoothly. I mean, when I imagined balance, that's what it looked like to me. It looked like a straight line and everything was just on it. Perfect speed, perfect tempo, perfect flow. But somehow, I was never able to achieve that for myself. And as I got to be a little bit older, I found out that those that I looked at, they never achieved it and kept it consistent throughout the journey of their life either. So is balance all there was? Or could there be something else? It took some years, but I did learn that indeed, there was something else. But it took me maturing in spirit and becoming someone else, more than just that physical woman, for me to understand what this something else, fluidity, was like. Before I begin explaining the difference, I think it's important to paint a picture in your mind so that you'll have something to compare it to as I present this content. So let's do this. Imagine a straight line and imagine having three orbs. Each orb is going to represent a segment of our being emotional, spiritual, and physical well-being. Now to make this conversation as realistic as possible, let's also factor in that each orb is multifaceted because we are multifaceted, like diamonds. So there are moving parts within each orb. And what I mean is, let's take for example, emotional health. Our emotional health is made up of many different parts. There are many different aspects of our emotions. For example, our ability to be able to learn how to successfully manage anxiety, boundaries, contentment within self, connection to community. You get those examples of many different facets that have to be worked and managed over a period of time. So now with this context for all three of the areas, physical, emotional, and spiritual well-being, Let's discuss balance with some spiritual context. I would like to refer to Proverbs 19 verse 21, and this is NIV, and it says, many are plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. I love this scripture when we're talking about balance because it brings into perspective why many of us find it challenging for balance to be something that we're able to first and foremost achieve, and secondly, to be able to maintain with any type of consistency throughout life. In the example that I talked about a little earlier, I went into being a mother with my own desires of my heart. It took me some time to realize that there were many things that I desired and that I wanted, the way in which I saw things, a lot of my goals, how I defined myself, because it took me a long time to learn that how I saw myself and what I thought was success for myself actually was not the success that God had in mind for me on my journey. And balance actually hindered me being able to learn that because my focus was to keep many pieces of my life that really and truly, aside from them being what I wanted, were not what was necessary for my journey in life and was not actually the best fit for me from a spiritual perspective. So here are five reasons why people are not successful in finding and sustaining balance. Number one, balance is a byproduct of perfectionism. If you think about your line with the orbs and each and every segment of who we are being multifaceted and having moving parts within it, meaning that at any given time throughout life, we're going to be at different spaces and places naturally within each one of those segments. There's no telling whatever space each segment is at, how 
long that space will be there. And if there is a fluctuation, which direction it's going to be, how long it's going to be there. Well, balance, because it's a byproduct of perfectionism, that means that anything less than perfect is unacceptable. So that in itself can lead to stress and a whole bunch of other issues that I'll get into in just a little bit. Number two, the number two reason would be the idea of balance suggests manipulation and the use of control. So that we're going to liken balance to a physical construct. And if it's physical, then if you want everything on this even plane at the same space at any given time, then how would that happen? That would mean that you would have to take the power into your own hands to make those things be on that even plane at any given time. Number three, enacting control of balance leaves little room for faith. Well, if you're manipulating and moving and trying to make things happen the way that you want them to happen. Now, pause for a second. How many times have we had a situation, kind of reminds me of the old saying, the round peg in the square hole. How many times have we had situations in our life where we really, really want something to be and we go out of our way and push, 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 push to try to make that something be that is not working. But we're more focused on the fact that we want it for whatever our reasons are. And so we go about whatever it takes to make it happen only for in the end for it not to happen. <laughs> okay. Uh, number four, it discourages an open mindset. It's a very linear way of thinking. And when you're only, when you're going about your life, looking at things in only one way, then again, you're creating that high stress. We tend to, around balance, create unrealistic expectations because all we see with tunnel vision is what it is that we want. And if anything else comes into the picture, if it's not in alignment with the vision that we've already crafted for ourselves, then we're not too open to getting off the path that we're already on. And then when you have those unrealistic expectations, typically you fall short. Well, then there's a snowball effect because then you fall short. Then you judge yourself. Then you have the negative self-talk. Then you have this data that's stored on your mental reel in your mind that will just replay like a, a light switch will flip on. It'll replay you're saying all of these horrible things about yourself, these hateful things about yourself because you fell short when in actuality, it was booby trapped from the beginning. Number five is going to be perceived growth from the outside instead of inside. And that perceived growth is usually going to be false because it's typically not something that's sustainable. When you enact balance and you do have some wins in getting some things that you want, I believe two things. If you, if it works out the way that you want and you're, in, and you're enacting balance, that's because it's a, a piece of uh, your life that was most likely meant to be in the first place. But usually if it's under our control and we're trying to make something happen that shouldn't happen, if you do get where you want to be, it's only temporary. It's not sustainable. So then you end up falling. And then now again, that's another judgment piece. Now, I just want to take a pause from a spiritual perspective. The failures things that we tax to ourselves and label because I think that uh, something being a fail a fail or uh, considered a failure is a label I don't necessarily believe that that's what that means when things don't work out but there are instances where from a spiritual perspective I believe that we are meant to get to certain spaces and to fall and it's for us to be able to rise but I believe that in those instances when we fall and we're able to rise and that rise ends up being something that's successful and sustainable I don't believe 
believe that balance at all is a part of it. So anyway, those are five reasons why people who enact balance are typically not successful. No, on the flip side, there's fluidity. If balance is a physical construct, then let's liken fluidity to a spiritual one, which means we may as well go ahead and add some spiritual context to that as well, right? So let's go to Romans 8, chapter 30. This is NIV as well, and it says, And those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. When I think about this scripture in the context of our discussion, what the scripture is saying to me is that it's time for us to chuck the deuces when it comes to comfort zone because our purpose is calling. Anytime we're predestined for greatness, which means it is so done, it's so done. The only thing we need to do is open ourselves up to God's calling for us and allow that to flow freely through us. So before I get into five reasons why fluidity supports strengthening your spiritual mindset, let's go back to our line with our three orbs on our line. In balance, because it's more of a physical construct, what we would what we're trying to do, or folks who are enacting balance, the goal is to try to make sure that all of those different segments of our being, each one having moving parts within it, are all on the same plane. Whereas with fluidity, a spiritual construct, what we're doing is we're accepting naturally where each one of our segments of being are at any given time. So that means that they could be either on the line, above the line, below the line, diagonal. If you imagine now those or being released from the line and just floating slowly through the air in all different directions, ways and form. That means that they can float up, down, they can come next to each other, within each other, but if they were to merge at any point, they would merge harmoniously. They're just fluid, they're just moving. Liken that movement to the different ways in which we mature and grow, the ebb and flow, the up and down. There's no need to try to force anything to be anything other than it should be naturally. As we study, as we practically apply, each one of those orbs are gonna move to the spaces that they need to be in. The spaces that they, they're in are a representation of our growth, of our challenges, of the ways in which we are processing what we need to process in order for us to become where we or where God wants us to be spiritually, internally, so that that will then manifest or, or be um, reflected, if you will, in the physical world. All right. So we think about that that way. That should help to bring a picture into your mind. So now let's talk about the five reasons why fluidity supports strengthening your spiritual mindset. Number one is going to be is because they definitely require faith. If things are not going exactly the way you would like. When you enact faith and that movement beyond your own understanding, that that means instead of focusing on what your heart is calling for, you're more open and apt to what your spirit is calling for. Number two, it requires embracing all facets of you exactly where you are in each area of your life. Sometimes that's hard to do. I know it's been hard for me to do on and off throughout the years because there's where I was and then there was the vision of what I saw for myself and rarely, especially in the what I like to call the 20s, the lost decade, rarely were those things aligned. What I saw in my mind kind of reminds me of the movie Precious, how she would go to that that better version, the best version of herself when she was going to, through some of the most traumatic things. What she saw in her mind and where things were in her physical world were two completely and totally different things. So sometimes escaping 
to where you want to be. Or um, I remember the old fake it till you make it. A lot of people are, that's still like a, like a thing today. I say, hey, why fake it until you make it when you can be it and live free in it? That's, that's my thing, you know, anyway. But that's one of those things that it's human nature to do to want to see ourselves, we see ourselves beyond where we are. And sometimes when we are not open to accepting where we are, accepting doesn't mean that we stay. Accepting means that, okay, if this is where I am and I don't like it, then I need to start to do the work inside to get to where I want to be. Because I want to say this before I go on to the next one, uh, before I go on to number three. When we see the best version of ourselves in our minds, and not only see it, sometimes we feel it, smell it, taste it. It's like complete and totally real even though you may be in a shelter even though you may be in a relationship that you want to get out of uh, even though you may uh, have some things that you're battling it could be addiction it could be eating disorders um, financial woes that version of yourself that is just there you can feel it that's because it is real our work is to bridge the gap from where we are so that we can get to that space that we see because we see that space we feel that space that space is so real because God put that in us that is who we're supposed to be and where we're supposed to be if only we would open ourselves up to doing the spiritual work that we need to do to get there number three it requires trust in yourself and the strength to follow your intuition your God identity just like it's easy to lose trust in other people, it's just as easy to lose trust in ourselves. And so when you're having issues trusting yourself, then it's hard to be able to open yourself up to listening to your God identity, your God identity, excuse me, speaking within you, trying to lead you to where God wants you to go and where he wants you to where he wants you to go is going to lead you to that vision of yourself that you imagine. Number four, it requires discipline and patience because the growth is from the inside out. Balance, because it's physical, you can see more of what you want to see in the external world more immediately. Whereas when you're enacting and subscribing to fluidity, the growth is from the inside out. It's going to be in divine time, which means that you would have to be more dedicated to the growth spiritually and to God's pathway for your vision than you are to your own. And number five, it's an easy agreement between all of the things around you. Well, what's another word for an easy agreement? Alignment. Alignment and balance may sound the same, but actually alignment is that easy agreement that you don't have to make happen. It happens on its own. So that would be the, the difference in alignment and balance. The growth then that you experience when you're living in a space of fluidity is a growth that's going to be more true and sustainable as opposed to balance when that growth is false, temporary and unsustainable because it is a byproduct of the natural agreement with your divine design and your divine purpose. So those are some things to think about with balance versus fluidity. Some questions to consider for yourself. Are you the primary shot caller? Meaning, are you truly open to and moving based on what your intuition and your spirit tells you on the inside. And listen, I'm not talking about people, um, the ones of you out there who just pray, but still move in the direction that you want to move in. I'm not talking about that. <laughs> I'm talking about, yes, prayer is fine. Yes, study is fine. But prayer and study mean nothing if when it's time for the practical application, the test, you're still going about coming up with your own answers. So that's a question. Are you the primary shot caller? Number two, do you have flexibility? 
Is your pathway the only pathway that you're willing to accept? And number three, are you open to the possibility that what you want for yourself the way that you see it is not exactly what's meant for you? And are you willing to take a journey to see if there is something else, if that could end up being a better fit for you? All right, all right. So coming up next, the shade of it all. (laughs) You don't wanna go anywhere. I was pissed off. I could not wait until I made it over to my grandmother's house. I was a young mother at the time and my ex had me on a million. And so I needed to go over there to vent. I didn't know that I wanted to be talked down. But anyway, my grandmother was not your typical grandmother. Mm -mm, This wasn't no rocking chair, knitting all the time. Not my grandma. I would get together with my friends. We'd be on our way to the click and we could stop over to my grandmother's house and none of us drank coffee, but she did. So we would have cups of coffee before we went to the click. She would tell us how all of us were gonna catch cold in our vagina and tell us stories about uh, different people coming up. Actually said, she said that happened to my aunt. It's in the dead of the winter and you got the short skirts and, and, and shorts on, you know, back then you just, you do what you do when it comes to your club clothes. Anyway, today was a day where I had to unload. So I get to my grandmother's house like usual. I'm going up the stairs with the carrier in my hand. I was about a buck 25. And you know, the carrier is like half your doggone size. Back then, the baby was fat. So yeah, that wasn't easy. So I get up the stairs, I get into the house, door comes comes open and there's this lady in there that pissed me off too because I'm used to just being my grandma. I'm gonna get in there. I'm gonna have my conversation. But no, there's this chick in there that I never seen before, Miss Cat. That was her friend. And I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, well, I hope this is quick. I hope she's gonna hurry up and leave because I need to talk to grandma. So anyway, grandma introduces me to Miss Cat. Miss Cat was going on vacation. I'm like, okay, yeah, cool. You know, so I'm getting baby to grandma. I'm putting the carrier down, getting the bottles in the refrigerator, doing all the stuff that I do to get set up for the time that I'm going to chill at grandma's house that day. And then Miss Cat starts talk, talking about she's going on vacation. And somewhere within the conversation, I'm not sure where it happened, she mentioned that she had 22 kids. Hold up, hold the phone. 22 children. Now, mind you, I had my one and I was pissed off. And I'm thinking to myself, who would intentionally do this 22 times? I I was immediately flabbergasted slash disgusted. I was like, oh no, you know, and I'm, I'm sitting here. I had this stank look on my face. Now to give you an idea of what this face was like, imagine if you stand in there and you think it to yourself. I'm thinking like, I know that her JJ just wants 30 days to itself. Just 30 days. I mean, some kind of time. And this is what I'm thinking. And I'm I'm looking at this lady and I'm just, she just talked. I don't even remember what else she was saying at that point, but I'm like 22 children. And to show you how ridiculous that was, my grandmother had 14. That's a lot too, but even still 22. So before I knew it, I asked her, I said, well, were any of them twins? And I don't know that that question, I think it was a fair question, but when you got the you have the stank face about you and you ask the question you could just kind of I'm pretty sure she knew that okay yes yeah, something going on with this one she gave an answer I don't recall what it was because again I'm just so enthralled by the fact that I'm sitting here I can't wait to tell my grandmother what happened and I'm dealing with one and this chick has 22 and then she goes back to talking about this vacation and so I said well you deserve it you definitely deserve a vacation when I think back on the situation those two women put the v in veteran i mean it's 36 children between the two of them so 
I'm sure that they could tell by my energy and my face what was going on with me. They didn't even need to hear the story. Like my grandmother used to say, they had been there, done that, carried that stick and threw it away. I just picked it up so it was a new stick to me. That type of situation, right? So the conversation continued and eventually Miss Cat, after staying much longer than what I would have liked, she left. Now here's the thing. That lady was the sweetest lady I'd ever met, thinking back on it. But at that point in time, I came into a situation with my own stuff. And because of my own stuff and that filthy lens that I was looking through because of my own stuff, I had a stank energy past judgment and was just outright nasty and dismissive to another woman who had nothing to do with my stuff, had no idea that I had any stuff. She just came by to visit her friend and was going on vacation and having a nice day. But because of what was going on with me, I was shady before shade was even a thing. And that's the way shade works. Because of my mess, I couldn't appreciate this woman for who she was, what she was doing, why she was even there. I really couldn't see her because I was so busy comparing all the things about her situation to my situation that I wasn't happy with at that time. Now, of course, that wasn't the intention. It was just straightly superficial. You haven't, it's too many children, there's too much going on. I don't understand who would sign up for that. But at the end of the day, none of that had anything to do with anything. What did it have to do with the cost of tea in China? Absolutely nothing. It was my perspective, my flawed perspective, and me taking and making what was going on with me about somebody else for whatever reason that made that situation one where if it had have been some women who were much younger and had their own issues it probably would have turned out a completely and totally different way but because I was in there with some veterans you know they knew to that and true to that it didn't go down the way it could have gone down so let's go ahead and define shade and that's going to be an intentionally offensive way of communicating intended to diminish minimize embarrass and or put on display and this way of communicating includes facial expressions one's demeanor the expenditure of negative or disruptive energy and the offender usually will use humor to disguise their attack or to mitigate the person they're attacking to mitigate their response you know my grandmother used to say back in the day many a truth has been told in jest and when there's a climate a shady climate there's a whole lot of that going on you know if you think about john 724 niv says stop judging by mere appearances but instead judge correctly and anytime we're coming to a conclusion about someone else and that conclusion or that idea is rooted in toxicity within ourself. It's not fair to the person and it's definitely not fair to ourselves. But one of the things that the sisterhood struggles with now is how this toxic way of communicating and this toxic divisive way of being has been normalized. So much so that there are people who actually sit at home and practice what their tagline is going to be or how they're going to check somebody who's throwing shade, you know, but today I want to think about shade a little bit differently. I want to talk about shade differently because there's a lot of conversation around people who are throwing it and how to be prepared for it when you're in those situations. If there's not conversation, that's what women do. You know, they're, they're, they, they, uh, what, what do they say? Um, stay ready and you don't have to get ready. Yeah, that's, that's typically what that is. But let, let's, let's think about that though. 
The offenders, the people who are shade assassins, they just take pride in throwing shade, which let's call it what it is, tearing down and putting on display some other woman. You know, their slips are actually showing. I, that's an old saying that I used to, uh, my grandmother used to say, your slip is showing. And what that meant back in the day is whatever it is that you're trying to hide, you're actually letting everyone see it. You're not hiding it. It's it's there, you know, but since they target others who are usually just as wounded as them, no one else sees it. It's kind of like the whole bully on the playground. The bullies were usually the most insecure people in the entire school. And a lot of what they did was out of frustration. But if they took the lead and they were uh, the aggressor with other people, then those same people were not looking at them. So shade is similar. There are people who like to shade people and there are a bunch of groups where there are a bunch of shady people. Then you have to wonder why would anyone sign up for that? Because anyone who's in a has a climate within themselves that's healthy and that's flourishing, they love the peace that they're feeling. And when you feel good, the first thing you want to do is tell other people about it. And you want to show other people how to get where you are. Someone who is full of peace and joy and the excitement and freedom that comes with peace and joy. They don't think about or look at people in anything other than the way that they see themselves. It's hard for them to, to have a mindset that's prepared for a bunch of shade because it's too much sunshine within them. Shade has to be received. And a lot of us inadvertently sign up to be a part of something that actually diminishes our mindset and any goal that we may have for not only finding peace from within, but scaling spiritually within our lives. The targets of shade, they typically have a pretty defensive stance all the time anyway. Their wounds make them feel like they have to prove something to somebody, convince somebody, reason with them, or even have a response. And what I would say, if this is something that sounds like you, what impacts you is not necessarily about you actually really is it about you here's something that i was told a long time ago when i was younger my mother used to say to me that it's human for all of us to have insecurities but people typically don't see what we don't show them so a lot of the times we'll go out into the world and wear our wounds on our sleeve we'll have conversations or we'll we'll do things in a way where people are able to pick up on those wounds now they're not able to pick up on those wounds because you're so weak they're able to pick up on those wounds because those wounds are a human condition we tend to think when we're going through some of the toughest things in our lives that it's just us a lot of the times that'll make us isolate ourselves we don't want to have certain conversations with, with people. Eventually, we come to a space where we understand that all of those things are human condition. <laughs> There's not a person living on the face of the planet that hasn't been embarrassed, that hasn't uh, felt as though they've been diminished, that hasn't felt as though um, their self-worth had been shattered or shaky. All of these things are human, but for some reason, we tend to think that at our worst, that experience is something that's completely and totally exclusive to us. And so the goal should be, the point of this segment is to make sure that at all costs, you are guarding the atmosphere 
of your mind and your temple, your body, and declining the invitation to engage in those types of toxic offers, those exchanges with shade. You know, it, it's kind of like um, the same way in which we control the climate for those of us who like saging our homes, for those of us who have our essential oils that we use in our car. Well, why is that? Because we acknowledge that climates outside of the ones that we create contain toxic elements that we don't want to become a part of the atmosphere of our minds and bodies and the environment for which we're trying to create to support the atmosphere of our mind, right? Well, if we think that way in the external world, then we have to think that way spiritually as well. We have to be intentional about guarding the atmosphere of our spiritual mind and space and make sure that we're creating an environment that supports that. So in order to do that, the first thing we have to do is know who we are and know the circle that we're entertaining. Do you stay ready so you don't have to get ready? Do you prep to counter shade? Because if you do, there's a self-check moment that needs to happen there. What's going on that you'd rather prepare for it as opposed to get yourself to a space where that's not who you are and you decide that any environment where there's a lot of that going on is an environment that you don't want to be in and it's a, it, it's a group that you probably shouldn't entertain because it's definitely not in agreement with where you want to be spiritually. Do you find shade entertaining as long as it doesn't evolve? you come on y'all now listen it's okay it's okay if you think shade is funny if you're sitting and having cocktails with your girlfriend and it's that one who's who always has something flippant to say about somebody if you like that all right you know to to each their own but if you're in the midst of it and you find it funny it's only a matter of time because before it's going to be your turn so that's something else to think about but beyond that what is it in you that finds someone else someone else's discomfort funny that's something that we have to think about because again if you're talking about a spiritual mindset and you're talking about creating a climate within you that feeds you and supports you in a way where you can get to a space of actualizing the best version of yourself. Is this thing, if you find Jade entertaining, other than sitting at home watching The Housewives, come on now. I, even I watch The Housewives, but I wish I would be in a group where it contains that type of energy. Cannot, would not, do not, can't do it. I know something different. I know something that the sisterhood that I'm speaking of within this program, I've been a part of for many years and actually uh, a, a few circles. I thought it was a diamond in a rough to find one. Ladies, there are women out there who don't want to compete with you. They want to build with you. They want to see you become the best person you can absolutely be, and they want to be a part of it, and vice versa. That's the same way that I am. If you don't think that that's something that's possible, or you think there are situations where you have to entertain those types of people, I'm here to tell you, is you're, you're completely and totally wrong. Do you tolerate toxic circles? Because sometimes we'll find ourselves being tolerant of toxic people because we know different things about them that makes us feel connected to them. Maybe you feel sorry for them. Maybe you feel like you can help them. Maybe other people feel like be, uh, you should be responsible for that person. At the end of the day, it's okay to selfishly take responsibility for what's going to make you stronger spiritually. If when you believe in God, that's what God is for and prayer is powerful. It's not your job to be a martyr for someone else and uh, their situation in areas in which if you moved yourself out of the way, they'd be more apt to get help. Are you clear on the atmosphere you want for your mindset and the environment necessary to support it? That's a question. 
because we'll say there's a space that we want to be or this person that we want to be or these things that we want to achieve. But are we actually putting things in place within our life to make reaching that goal possible? Because even before you reach the ultimate goal, there's a whole hell of a lot of journey before that. Are you creating the atmosphere for your mind and the environment necessary to support the work that you need to do to be along that journey and reach that ultimate goal? Hmm. What would be a challenge or challenges that you would have to remove to begin creating your spiritual atmosphere for your mind? Because it's one thing to know where you want to go. It's another thing when we talk about uh, the atmosphere and the environment. But specifically, you need to have a specific list of things, and that can include people that you would need to remove to begin creating the atmosphere for your mind. And the same question, what things would you have to remove to begin creating that spiritually supportive environment? So that question is actually two part. It's for your mindset, but also for your physical environment. Are you an active or passive participant? And this is a space where you assess your reasons. If you're one where this conversation applies to you when it when, when it comes to shade, because some of us, it's one thing to have a person here or there. We, we can't control everyone that's around us, but my inner circle, there's zero of that. Zero, none, all of the circles. Let, let me be clear, because it's, it's three. Pretty nice size ones too. That doesn't exist at all because we are all on the same accord with, we don't have time for that. You can't grow within your role uh, business owners. Many of us are out of corporate America and have been for some years. So it's hard, it's, it's hard in these streets. And so we don't have time to entertain that. Things are tough enough. We really need each other and not just within the context of supporting one another with our goals and our businesses, but emotionally and spiritually as well. So do you find it fun? Is there validation by association if you tolerate it? Do you hang around it because of the connections? Maybe there are some people who you feel like it would be good to be in your network because you're trying to do some things professionally. Maybe you're trying to, to grow in some types of, of ways. So is there validation by association? Do you have that FOMO, fear of missing out? If you are an active or passive participant, is it for tactical reasons? Some people keep your friends close and your enemies closer. Is it a tactical reason why? Is it access to some things that you may want or things that you want to achieve that you feel like you wouldn't be able to do on your own? Is it because of admiration? Is it jealousy or envy? Is it revenge? Some people like to stay close to people so that one day they can get the drop on them. But the thing about that energy is anytime you're positioning yourself around someone to try to get that person back, that's destructive to you spiritually because that means you have to harbor that energy and hold on to it and stay in a space and look for opportunity. You're actually creating a toxic environment for yourself when actually the best thing you could do to somebody who creates that type of contempt within you is remove them and have them, you know, watch you, you know, they watching your butt while you going up the ladder. That's actually the best way, <laughs> you know. I got um, a scripture I want to share with you. This is Ecclesiastes 1 and 7. This is the NIV version and it says, all streams flow into the sea and yet the sea is never full and the reason why i want to share this for this section is because the streams in my mind are referring to desire we all have the grandest biggest most delicious juicy desires for ourselves. god created us to have 
these desires. And that's because when we have these desires and we run the hamster wheel for a while and figure out that we're not able to meet them, God's hope is that we'll turn to him. And no matter what we desire, no matter how much it is, God has enough to feel that and then some. And so when we think about um, desiring more, it's by design and it's because of this we are entitled to more and will receive more when we selfishly choose to be dedicated, accountable, and responsible to doing our own work. You know, basically choose choose his word over responding to the words of the broken. People cannot stand folks who are selfish. I don't know if anybody who says, yeah, selfish people, that's my thing. Mm-hmm, love it. No, typically we can't stand selfish people. However, when it comes to our spirituality and being intentional about protecting that, that sacred space, because if that space is filled with the angst and the energy that it takes to entertain the division, the divisiveness of shade, there's no space for God in that. We limit the room that we have to allow God to fill us up when we choose to occupy that space with things that are putrid, that type of energy that is putrid. So I hope that everyone selfishly chooses their spiritual preservation over anything and know that in being selfish, you're doing exactly what you need to do. And that is choosing your higher self over anything else. And and this is a practice. It takes a, a minute to break out of some of these toxic spaces, but we have to understand first that they are toxic. It doesn't serve you to continue to sharpen your skill to demolish other women. If you have that amount of time, then you have the same amount of time to unplug from those types of, of situations and do what you need to do so that when someone comes into a situation showing their slip, showing you their hurt, you don't display that you're on the same page that they're on by putting yours out there and you guys competing to see who can tear each other down the most because that's really all that is. To know that when you lead with that energy, your slip is showing. Here's something else I want you to think about. Um, 2 Corinthians 10 uh, chapter 4. This is also uh, NIV and it says, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish stronghold. Okay. See, when you choose your weapon wisely, when you understand what you're looking at, when it stands before you, when you understand what it is, then you choose a weapon that's going to elevate you and if anything the person approaching you because listen as women we're born nurturers every woman on this planet was created to be an influencer she was created to elevate isn't that what we do with our children we not only raise them and and, and care for them and feed them and clothe them and all of that but we're sitting back and we're very meticulously looking at who these little people are what their interests are and and what they're good at and based on what we see, we'll put things before them that maybe will connect to what we see within them, influence. And then as they start to have access and experience different things, it helps them to come to a space 
where they're not only stronger and they're able to connect to and choose an extension of who they are, but they're able to flourish in that. That's who we are overall. And if we find that we're not at a space where we're ready to give that to other people, that's fine. Just understand that that's a part of what your purpose is. We're all here to serve in some capacity. That doesn't necessarily mean, you know, you may not ever have your own small business. You may work within corporate. You may be a stay-at-home mom. It doesn't matter what capacity you hold in this world. That's just what we do. What I'm talking about is taking a vested interest in building who you are and being able to share the better parts of who you are to help other people become the better version of who they are. That's what your goal should be. And if you can't do that with the circle that you have around you, well, then maybe it's time to change your circle. All right, all right. So that's it for this installment, talking about the shade of it all, as well as balance versus fluidity. It's been a wonderful day in the neighborhood spending this time with you. If you haven't already, please log on to thegrindtofind.com. Click on feed so that you can follow this show. Uh, that way you'll get some plain tea. If you like your tea all spiced up with stuff in it, I know some of y'all like yakking your tea. There are some other folks who just go with some agave or some mint before you people who like some yak and some vodka. <laughs> I know, I know, don't mind me. Uh, <laughs> joining the list is how you get information specifics about shows before they air. So yeah, make sure if you want a little extra in your tea, you go ahead and join the list. I hope that you have an amazingly blessed rest of your day. I hope this content today has been something that's been helpful or will be helpful for your journey moving forward. And always remember, it's up to you to define your grind and never let the grind define you. Until next time, Terrell and Michelle signing off. Peace and abundant blessings.